You're listening to Rick Kleffel, the Agony Column podcast. You can find additional reviews, interviews, print interviews, and book commentary five days a week at trashotroncom agony. Praveen Madan is the new owner of the Booksmith Bookstore. He's just bought the bookstore. It's a venerable bookstore. It's been around for many years. Thank you for joining me, Praveen. Oh, thank you for having me, Rick. Uh, Praveen, uh, could you give me a, a pocket history of the Booksmith? Because it, it's been around, as I said, for quite some time, and it's, it has a, a, a long and interesting history. Yes. Uh, so the bookstore was uh, actually founded by Gary Frank in 1976. And at this point, it's been around for you know almost uh, 32 years. It's uh, always been in the Haight-Ashbury, which is a uh, you know very interesting uh, part of the world, as you probably know. Uh, we get uh, a very interesting uh, you know mix of customers. Uh, we get a lot of customers just from the neighborhood communities in uh, Haight-Ashbury, Coal Valley, Bonavista Park. Uh, you know, kind of your typical San Francisco crowd. Uh, but then in addition to that, we also get a lot of young people who are just, uh, you know, constantly uh, attracted to the countercultural, uh, you know, destination that the hate is. Uh, and then we get tourists. We get tourists from all over the world. Uh, anyone who comes to San Francisco, uh, you know, the hate ashbury is a must-stop for them. So it's a very interesting, uh, you know, place to be. The bookstore itself, uh, you know, has had a very rich and, uh, you know, colorful history. Uh, perhaps the best-known part of the, uh, you know, Booksmith has been its uh, author events uh, program, uh, which, uh, by the way, we just got uh, voted as uh, the best author appearances in uh, San Francisco uh, this year by the San Francisco Weekly. Oh, congratulations. And uh, for years and years, uh, you know, that's been just a really unique and, uh, you know, differentiated part of uh, you know, what uh, makes Booksmith the Booksmith, because we do events not just with, uh, you know, traditional uh, writers, uh, literary fiction writers and stuff, uh, but, you know, we also get uh, photographers, artists, cartoonists, musicians. Uh, so it's really, you know, uh, pretty, uh, you know, broad in terms of the cultural spectrum it covers. Now, this is not a time in the bookselling industry's uh, history where one would think that somebody would go out and buy a bookstore. So tell me what brought you to buy the Booksmith, and could you talk a little bit about just the process of, of buying such a venerable bookstore? How did you manage to do that? Well, you know, the interesting thing is, uh, as uh, some of your listeners probably already know, uh, very well-known uh, and well-reputed uh, you know, bookstores around the country have been closing for years. Uh, just to throw out a you know very quick uh, statistic, in 1990 there were about 5,000 independent bookstores in the U.S. And uh, you know last year that number was down to somewhere between 1,500 and 1,600. Uh, so for for many many years you know there have been uh, hundreds of stores closing every year, and many of these were just you know phenomenal, very well known institutions. Uh, a clean, well-lighted place uh, on Van Ness in uh, San Francisco. You know, Printer Sink. Uh, you know, Cody's has uh, closed some stores. Black Oak. Uh, you know, has uh, you know closed several stores. And these are just in in the San Francisco Bay Area. And the story's just gone on and on. Uh, you know, around the country. So it's been a difficult uh, you know last 10, 15 years for independent uh, uh, bookstores. Uh, so basically, we're in a market where. Uh, you know, most bookstores are really 
not in very good financial you know condition. Uh, talking about me, I mean that's exactly what attracted me to this because I don't come from a bookselling background. I knew nothing about the publishing industry. Uh, I was kind of having a, you know a little bit of a what I would frankly call a midlife crisis of my own, <laughs> just you know working my nice cushy, well-paid corporate job, but starting to think about uh, you know what else was I going to do. Uh, in my life, and just very at a philosophical and intellectual level, I got curious about why all the independent bookstores were going out of business. And then, you know, one thing led to another, and after several months and uh, of, uh, you know, thinking and researching, I convinced myself that it's a time of, you know, great change, and where there is change, there's opportunity. Um, and we found that, uh, you know, Booksmith was for sale. It had been on sale for a number of years. Um, so we reached out to the owner, started you know conversations, and uh, led to finally last year us buying the store. So the booksmith had been uh, up for sale for a number of years. That's that's pretty interesting. Um, it was on sale for five years. It uh, years. had been on sale since two thousand one. Now, um, a- as a, a businessman, you're you're buying a business. Did you did you look at the numbers and were they good? And and what what did you think about that in terms of just uh, I mean, as I say, as you said, bookstores are closing all the time. Yeah, and uh, and and the going is going to get tougher. I mean, I I really really believe that uh, you know the industry hasn't seen its uh, you know worst uh, bottom yet. And this, this is what's been happening with independent bookstores is going to continue. Um, so yes, you know, we we looked at the numbers, but then uh, you know, as I said, where there is change, uh, you know, there is opportunity. One of the things that convinced me to do this, and this is uh, what, what we are doing here, is a contrarian thing. Uh, I, I realize that. Oh, is I love that. <laughs> we we saw we talked to a lot of readers, we talked to a lot of book lovers, we talked to a lot of writers, and what we found consistently, Rick, again and again, was that there is a segment of the market. It's not everyone, but there is a segment of the market, a big enough segment that really, really wants independent bookstores to be around and to be successful. So the overarching question for us really became, how come there is a demand for a service, there is a customer segment that is really, really rooting for you, uh, your suppliers, who are really the writers who write books, they're really uh, you know, championing for you and want you to be successful, but how come independent bookstores can't figure out how to be successful despite that? That really was the question. Well, that sounds like an intriguing question. And as you bought the bookstore, how did you go about answering it? And what did you do that to change the way things were done or follow the way things were continuing to be done? So, uh, so the, 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 you know, the, the process actually started even before we bought the bookstore and why we convinced ourselves to buy the bookstore in the first place. Because first we uh, you know, talked to a lot of booksellers to try to answer the question ourselves. They were like, well, what's going on? How come your customers want you to be successful, but you know you guys are all still really struggling with it? So we talked to a number of booksellers, and uh, you know we try to help some of them uh, because I come from a background in uh, you know consulting, so I'm used to going into companies, looking at how things are going, and then making them better and improving them. Uh, so so we thought maybe we could just you know do that with independent bookstores. And what we found after talking to a number of booksellers over a period that you know spanned you know almost six months was that there was a mindset problem with a lot of booksellers, and I'm not going to take names here because I don't want to offend any of these people who are my colleagues in the industry today. Most booksellers were too uh, you know, content with just blaming somebody else. They would blame Amazon, they would blame people for not reading, they would blame 
uh, you know, younger folks were not paying attention to books. They were blame people for shopping on Amazon. But they would not only really take ownership and say, well, here is how I'm going to evolve my business. Here is how I'm going to innovate. Here is how I'm going to keep up with the times. Here is how I'm going to take advantage of uh, the web. So there was too little of, you know, taking ownership and trying to make your business better and too much of just, you know, blaming everyone else going on. And that's why they were really hard to, to help. So we convinced ourselves that, you know, I mean, if, if your customers want you to be successful, you just have to provide them with more value, better experiences, and, you know, you should be able to, you know, be successful. And that was really the, you know, the overarching uh, premise based on which, uh, you know, we felt comfortable that even though the financials don't look good today, that we could go in and, uh, you know, turn the business around and make it, uh, you know, strong and, uh, you know, successful in the future. Now, when you bought the bookstore, I presume it came with a staff. And could you talk about the importance of the staff in the success of the store? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, the, the staff was uh, critical. I, mean, we, I could not have imagined doing anything like this without having the staff on board because, you know, we came in and uh, we didn't know anything about the business at all. I mean, we had spent a lot of time studying the business, but there's a big difference between knowing it and being able to actually, you know, run it and operate it and make day-to-day decisions. So, frankly, for the first six months, we were actually learning from our staff. They were our teachers. They were helping us understand what the booksmith stood for, you know, what kind of customers we had, what kind of books we carried, uh, you know, what kind of events we did, uh, and, you know, a lot of things that go on in the back to create the experience that, you know, our customers have come to associate with us. So we spent a long time just, you know, working with the staff, understanding, learning from them. And then slowly, you know, we began to, you know, introduce changes and really build the foundation for, you know, what we think is, you know, really going to be, uh, you know, pretty long journey. I mean, this is not something that's going to be done in six or, you know, 12 months. This is going to take years and years. But uh, our spirit is we just have to try a lot of new ideas. We just have to try a lot of things, see what works, you know, know, and keep and build on those and, you know, drop things that don't work. But, uh, you know, this is not the time to uh, stay focused on the past. This is really the time to look forward and take advantage of, uh, you know, the new innovations and new opportunities that are coming in the market. Well, tell me about some of the new innovations and opportunities that you see as a bookseller. Well, you know, the, the couple of things that, uh, you know, we are focused on and, you know, the, the kind of the tagline we tend to use, it's, it's, a, it's a little marketing, uh, you know, oriented, is about creating the independent bookstore for the 21st century. Because there has been a lot of talk that independent bookstores are not relevant anymore. Uh, and if you know what you want, you can get it from Amazon, you can get it pretty fast, you can get it pretty cheap, so why the hell do you need independent bookstores? Well, we want to take that head on, because I partly agree with that. If you already know what you want, you don't need bookstores. But the beauty of a bookstore is a bookstore, a good bookstore helps you find stuff you didn't even know you were looking for. And that's important to readers, especially the, the kind of readers who actually spend a lot of money on books. And people who really, you know, enjoy the browsing experience. So the things we are focusing on are, you know, really uh, investing in and making the browsing experience to be richer and better. Because we believe that, uh, you know, that the kind of browsing you can do in a bookstore um, by learning about books, by holding a book in your hand, by being able to, you know, browse the book, by being able to talk to uh, a really, you know, smart and well-read bookseller, you know, across the table and, uh, you know, ask for their, you know, opinion about the book, that kind of experience is still not possible online. And, yes, the gap is going to continue growing, so we need to stay ahead of that, and we need to keep making our experience better and better and better, uh, and then Amazon will always be playing catch-up with us. 
And today we do believe, you know, we offer a better experience. So it's really all about the customer service and the browsing experience. That's, you know, one of our, uh, you know, big bets. That's a fascinating term. I've never heard that term before, the browsing experience. Uh, but that makes sense. Now, tell me uh, about your physical location. It's the same location that of the bookstore has been for the past uh, 32 years? Uh, yeah, I think Gary moved the store uh, originally within a few years, but uh, we've been in the same uh, you know location now for over two decades. Wow. So how how big is this space, and have you changed the space to uh, try to create a, a better browsing experience? And how have you done so? If that's the case, yeah, we are. You know, we've done uh, a few things, and you know, we're starting to do you know more. Uh, we are undertaking a big uh, you know project right now to really you know remodel uh, you know the entire space in line with this you know philosophy of creating a better browsing experience. We are also going to put uh, you know our you know uh, events. Uh, really, you know, kind of uh, center at the center of you know everything, uh, and the thinking there really is that as people are you know spending more and more time telecommuting, working from home, shopping from the computers, uh, there is actually a parallel trend where you know people are missing the human connection. So we want to become the place where people come to to you know when they're craving that human touch, when the human connection. And it's not just about selling books. It's, it's, it's really about just becoming ingrained in the fabric of the community uh, about, you know, current affairs and issues of the day and, you know, important topics that are, you know, relevant, uh, you know, to the neighborhood. So, you know, for example, in the hate, um, we have a huge and very controversial issue around, uh, you know, uh, homeless people uh, 40 years after the summer of love. The hate continues to be a magnet for homeless people from all over the country. There is over 2,000 homeless people living in Golden Gate Park, and you know every day at dawn they basically descend, you know, on Hate Street, and uh, you know there are different, uh, you know, parts of the neighborhood who have very different and opposite views of what needs to be done with the homeless people. But we feel that there is not enough rich, engaging conversation happening about. Why are the homeless there? What brings them here? What is the right way to, you know, uh, basically really, you know, approach them and be able to help them? So we want to be a place where, you know, dialogues like that happen. And it's not just one issue. I can keep picking issue after issue. Uh, so it's really just, you know, all about, uh, you know, taking the bookstore and taking it to another level uh, and turning it into, you know, really what in the, in the technology world people call a platform. Uh, it, it becomes a platform where people can come and talk and discuss and get inspired and engage, you know, with other people. That's a, a fantastic approach. Well, I have to ask, do you serve food there? Uh, no, we do not. But do we have uh, many, many excellent uh, cafes, bars, and restaurants uh, all around us. So, you know, we have a pretty small, uh, you know, real estate uh, footprint. We only, you know, like a 3,000, uh, you know, square foot uh, store. So we are not planning to, you know, add a cafe or, you know, food, uh, you know, on our premises, but there's lots of, uh, you know, great places to eat, uh, you know, right in our neighborhood, very, very close. Could you talk about creating a, a selection of books that bring people in and, and get them engaged in the way you talk about? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, the, we have, uh, I mean, here, here's another, you know, well, uh, not as well-known fact about, you know, a lot of independents. At uh, the Booksmith, uh, you know, we carry close to 40,000 titles. That is an amazing number of books. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, That's I a mean, lot of books. <laughs> uh, 90, 
you know, 5% of the time when a customer comes in looking for a book because they have heard about it on NPR, maybe on your show, or on Terry Gross, or, you know, on John Stewart, on Oprah, or, you know, or read about it in the New York Times, we have the book. Because, you know, partly what we do is, you know, stay on top of the market and, uh, you know, always, uh, you know, picking, uh, you know, the best books in every category from, you know, all the new coming titles as well as a lot of backlist titles to make sure that we carry a very deep and very broad selection of books. We also carry a lot of, uh, you know, university press titles and a lot of small presses who are really, uh, and that's an interesting part of the market because as publishing has gotten more and more consolidated, and you probably already know this, you know, a lot of the small publishers are finding it very hard to find a market for their products. And, and we believe that to be, uh, have good, diverse, independent media, uh, you know, we have to continue carrying a very broad selection of books. So we have full-time buyers, and... Uh, all they do all day long is see, you know, basically research books, read books, uh, you know, talk to publishers, and they're always just picking, you know, the best books that, you know, we want to be able to carry. We have 93 different sections, you know, 40,000, 40, uh, you know, different books, and uh, a very well-read, uh, you know, staff uh, that, you know, you can ask for a recommendation for anything, you know, from, uh, you know, contemporary fiction to, you know, cookbook to, you know, music books and, you know, so on and so forth. You mentioned that you won an award from the uh, San, Francisco, San Francisco newspaper uh, for best uh, of the author events. Could you talk about the importance of author events in your business plan and just in your plan to be part of the neighborhood? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, lo- we looked at author events. Uh, you know, you're talking about doing the financials and looking at the numbers. And uh, one of our first conclusions was when we looked at the numbers for author events in terms of how much effort and cost goes into organizing them and how much, uh, you know, really sales they generate, uh, it was, you know, not a strong business case. So if I looked at strictly the financials, I would shut down the author events program because it doesn't make money. But at the same time, we actually decided to invest in our author events program and grow our author events program because we think it's just so, so important to the essence of, you know, what we stand for and what we do. Uh, and, there, and there are many benefits from the author events program that you just can't measure with numbers. This is where you give up on the numbers and you just trust your gut. Uh, author programs are really imp- uh, important because, you know, uh, as, again, as the, the distribution of books has gotten consolidated uh, with basically Barnes & Noble, Borders, and Amazon representing a significant chunk of the market, it's become and is going to continue becoming increasingly hard for new writers to be able to find an audience for their books. I mean, the only way, and this is very, very true for literary fiction, but also true for a lot of other genres, the only way an author you know, gets to find a market for their books and have the audience discover their book is uh, either a publisher falls in love with them, and it's one of the top ten publishers, and they put a big marketing budget behind it, and then they can put you, you know, on a big media tour, or, you know, a number of independents independently fall in love with their book and decide that they're going to promote it even though they have no financial incentive to do so because they just love the book itself. And historically, that's how a lot of, uh, you know, bestsellers came to become bestsellers. It wasn't because the publisher believed in the book. It wasn't because Amazon believed in the book. It was because by word of mouth, one after other, independent booksellers all over the country found a book, loved the book, uh, and promoted it to their customers as a good book. And, you know, and, and a lot of writers know that. A lot of writers know 
uh, a lot of best-selling writers today know that uh, if it wasn't for independent booksellers, uh, you know, doing that, doing events for their books, and you know, hand promoting the books, they would have never found a mass market for the books. Could could you talk about some titles that by new authors that are you you found particularly exciting? We just had a, a big book expo America down in L.A., and I know there's a lot of talk about some titles. Yeah. So you know there are uh, you know a lot of uh, you know books uh, that are coming up uh, that you know we are very excited about. Some of them you will see you know on our uh, you know authors uh, you know events program. If you go and see uh, Andrew Sean Greer, uh, you know his book, uh, you know the story of a mar- marriage, uh, just you know fascinating you know new book. It's you know set in San Francisco in the early 50s, uh, and he's a local writer. And you know uh, we've uh, you know had his books and we've we've uh, you know sold and promoted his books uh, because you know we just you know love his uh, you know writing. Um, now, what was his first book? I'm trying to remember. The Confessions of uh, he, had, he had several. He had uh, Confessions of Max Tivoli, The Path of Minor Planets. Right. The Confessions uh, of Max Tivoli was was a was a particularly interesting book because it had uh, some interesting elements of genre fiction, which is right. one of oh. my pet pet loves. So. Yeah, that that was that was uh, his uh, best selling book so far, I think. Uh, you know, there's uh, another one that we just, uh, you know, did an uh, event, uh, you know, with, uh, uh, it's, an, it's an anthology, uh, which is edited by Ellen uh, Sussman. Uh, she's also a local writer. She lives uh, down in uh, South Bay. And it's called uh, Dirty Words, a literary encyclopedia of sex, where she basically went out and found uh, a number of very well-known, well-respected writers who had never written before about sex. And uh, got them to write about you know different topics uh, on sex you know uh, and she's compiled it together. It's a really well written, very well edited uh, you know book, uh, and it's just you know really uh, you know interesting read. And it, it's, it's the kind of you know book that uh, I mean if I just pick those two books, you know Andrew Sean Greer's book and Alan Sessman's book, uh, it's kind of what the booksmith stands for. It's kind of culture and counterculture, and it's really just pushing the boundaries. Uh, to you know, bring culture and counterculture together, and constantly uh, you know exploring, you know what is what. Well, that that's just fantastic. I, I have to say, Praveen, it's really heartening to to talk to a bookseller like you because it makes me feel that you know there's a big future for books, and I think there really is. It's a it's a technology that's 500 years old and is a, a survived essentially unchanged for those 500 years. And I think that uh, that suggests it's a strong technology. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think uh, you know a lot of times uh, conversations about books and the future of books uh, really get mired in the medium. Uh, and, I, and I think there's a difference between the content and the medium. Uh, and the content is all about uh, you know really it's the it's the culture that has surrounded books. It's the culture of intelligent thoughtful, uh, you know, poetic, uh, well-structured dialogue, conversation, storytelling. Uh, and that's what's really going on around books. And the actual, you know, paper thing, hardbound or softbound, is just a medium for that. And the medium will evolve. There's no question about it. We'll have e-books and we'll have audio books and we'll have, you know, all kinds of, uh, you know, probably hybrids of books, uh, you know, coming along. And one of our challenges is to learn how to play in those new mediums. But the culture itself is not going to go away. People are always be interested in storytelling. Uh, it, the storytelling might evolve to include more visual elements and more multimedia elements, but people will always be fascinated by great stories. We've been speaking with Praveen Madan. He's the new owner of 
Booksmith Books in San Francisco. Thank you for joining me, Praveen. Oh, thanks for uh, having me, Rick. This was uh, great. You're listening to Rick Kleffel, the Agony Column podcast. You can find additional reviews, interviews, print interviews, and book commentary five days a week at trashotroncom agony. <laughs>